Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Great to be on with you all for another broadcast this evening. I want to say comment below. Let me know where you are tuning in from. Let me know the country, the city, the area so we can greet you. I can already see people tuned in. We've got Camilla from Norway. We've got uh, Sadak from Pakistan. Bless you. We've got someone tuned in from Cincinnati. Bless you. Great to have you all on with us today. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Do share this broadcast if you can. Do comment below and share this broadcast. We want to reach as many people as possible. Tonight is going to be a special broadcast. I believe the Lord is going to touch many people tonight. And I believe that people are going to be inspired, touched, set free, healed, delivered. It's going to be a great time. Bless you, Wayne, from South Africa. Great to have you on. Hey, Lorraine from Gloucester. Blessings to you. Hey, Joel from New Jersey. G. Fred from Philly. Bless you. JL from Australia. Great to have you on. We've got a pastor tuned in from Canada. Great to have you on, pastor. Bless you. Praise be to God. Wow. Well, I'm so looking forward to today because I'm not alone. I have got a special guest with me today. I've got a friend of the ministry and a friend of mine personally, Evangelist John Edwards. John, it's so good to have you with us today. Hi, everybody. So good to see you today. Great to be here. <laughs> Praise God. Well, well, Pragma Church absolutely love you. And obviously, you've ministered at Tent Revival, Trafalgar Square. and We have indeed. You we, know. Did, we did stuff up with Smith Wigglesworth Building in yeah. Bradford. <laughs> well, you know what? That, that's actually a good um, thing to talk about because um, I remember coming up and seeing you, you know, a few years back. That's right. Stayed with you in your house. And then we just went on an adventure, didn't we? Well, at the time we had just we had we had chased after getting the old Smith Wigglesworth original building, yeah, in Boland Street in Bradford. Smith Wigglesworth is from Bradford, and um, we did a meeting there. Didn't yeah, you? correct. You, you preached at it. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. That was correct. a fantastic meeting. It was like a last minute thing. Yeah, it was yeah. like proper old school, just spontaneous. Do you, and do you remember that guy we met in the street? The guy that walked past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Muslim guy. Exactly. So I remember we actually went to Smith Wigglesworth's house. That's right. To go and just see, reflect, and just, I guess, be encouraged and we were on the in way faith. Back, we? Yeah. yeah, that's it. We were just being encouraged in faith, you know. And um, on the way back, there was um, a Muslim gentleman who had a pain on his chest. He was holding his tummy. He was holding his stomach. Yeah, that's, that's it. Right. it and we amazing. laid hands on him and he got touched by the Lord. That, yeah. that was incredible. Yeah. Wow. No, wow. he actually said you 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 said do you want us to pray with you? Yeah. And he said he said um and and, and uh, we began to pray with him. He said, "Well, I don't really know about Jesus." And I said, "Well, let us and you said, "Well, you'll find out now in a minute." Wow. And you prayed him and he got instantly healed. Yeah, and he was, that he was, was blown away. Incredible. Went, wow, and he could feel the presence of God all over him. <laughs> he was saying, "What was that?" Wow. You know, I remember that time. That that time was really a beautiful time of reflection for me, Evangelist John, because what had happened was I had been ministering quite a lot and I just wanted a bit of time to chill. Yeah. But you know how sometimes, you know, it's it's nice to go on a nice holiday, lie on a beach and all of that. Yeah. But sometimes that doesn't give you the peace you're looking for. No. You need like a spiritual retreat or a spiritual yes, rest. So then I remember jumping on a coach. I called you spontaneously. I was like, John, can I come up and see you? And you were like, absolutely, come and stay in my home. But we already had people staying in the house. You had we? about three, four people <laughs> staying there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember coming up and 
what was amazing was like obviously the love you'd shown myself and the grace yeah. and then it was so much more than just a time of rest it was a spiritual was, rejuvenation yeah. because even the whole thing about smith wigglesworth and going to his church going to his house and yeah. we even went to the burial site don't worry we weren't rolling around on the grave no we went we went grave soaking <laughs> no no we weren't doing no grave soaking just just to throw no, that no, in no, there no 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 but we just went there to reflect and just honor the life of a and general to, to and, remember the life that he lived yeah. and we were blown away by some of the old testimonies and some of the stories you know when we opened up the smith because we were building again we found out some incredible stories and we were wow. sharing those kind of things Wow. And that's great fellowship, isn't it? It was. And I just remembered something, actually. What? The cross that we carried oh, yeah. around. Yeah. So the cross that would have been out on the streets last Saturday in Bedford, it was on the stage when we preached on Resurrection Sunday service, yeah. Good Friday service. And really, we take that cross around with us everywhere. We have it on the tent revival, hung up I've in, seen the, it. I've in s- the rafters. I've seen it on social media. Yeah. yeah. And what a lot of people don't realise, that cross was made from the floorboards... Of, uh, As you sp- go in the front door of Smith Wiggersworth's building, yeah, that was made from the floorboards wow. just right there. I remember yourself and some of the parts there. It wasn't just the floorboards; it was made. It was made from the doorway around that Wigglesworth and wow. Polly, his wife, used to walk through. That wow. cross was actually made from some part of it was off the floorboard, but the other part was from the the actually door on the way Ooh. in. <laughs> the door, not, not the actual door, but the the door casing. Wow. That's where that timber comes from. Yeah. Now, that was a phenomenal trip. And I remember even... I didn't plan to preach that weekend. I mean, the whole point of it was just to rest. Yeah. But it was as if there was an impartation. Yes, there was, yeah. You know, because all of a sudden, we're there. And I remember when I was in your house... I don't know if you remember this, but I felt like I had an encounter. Uh I felt like, you know, I I won't go too deep on it, but I felt (laughs) like... Angels were around me. Yeah, amen. And then when we did the tour, the Smith Wigglesworth tour, which just stirred our faith, a gentleman yes, yes. got healed outside Wigglesworth's house. That's right. Then you arranged a revival Holy Ghost meeting. In, yeah, it was a last minute it thing. It was a, a last minute thing, but the place was packed we got out. A great crowd into it, yeah. It was packed out. Yeah, it was. And it was, it was <laughs> packed out with hunger as well. And sometimes, you know, those last minute things you organize, sometimes that's the way to do it. They're the best ones sometimes. Yeah, because God really moves in something that's not not uh, intently organized by human beings. Wow. Something that's spontaneously led by God. That's where often I see God moving. Wow. And what's amazing about that is like, you don't give the devil any notice. You just do what God's saying you to do spontaneously. And I find, you know, a lot of preachers these days, they don't know how to do that. No. They don't have the grid for it. Yeah. I mean, my wife, Trish and I, we've just come back. We've just done three weeks in Ireland. Mm. And uh, remember, I, I'm not a teenager anymore, sure. you know. And my wife just, fe- uh, my wife and I, we felt God saying, "Go and hit the streets, wow. help the homeless." He said, "Don't." For- it tells us in Galatians where the Apostle Paul says, "I don't forget the poor." Wow. Yeah. And uh, so we went to remember the poor, and we travelled around 17 different counties in Ireland, wow. just reaching. We didn't organise any meetings, didn't ask any churches to help us preach. And that's something we were talking about earlier because we really, living by faith is you're yeah. trusting God to pave the way for you. True. So we just went, we hit the streets, went in different, and as I went there, suddenly the phone began to ring, can you come and preach here? And every single meeting that we did, we had a move of God in it. Wow. And it's, it's for people to learn again how to be moved by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Because I think over the last decade or maybe two decades even, 
a lot of stuff came into the body of Christ where, you know, the, la- the latest church growth strategy or the latest, latest technique for doing revival or the mm. latest strategy they can do this with. And people forgot a little bit how to be really led by God into, wow. into following what God wants to do. Mm. Wow. Powerful. How powerful. Hallelujah. Well, I watched a great yeah. video. Um, you can get it on YouTube called um, Revival Hymn. Okay. Wow. And uh, oh, it's, it's a great video. It's a, I weep when I watch it. Mm. And uh, it's about the part of it is about the revival up in the Hebrides, up in the Hebrides oh, yeah. in so, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Up off the north coast of Scotland, there was a revival there in Lewis. Duncan Campbell was the man of God who wow. led that particular revi- particular revival. Wow. My old spiritual father, Mister Hugh Black, was an old frightening Scottish guy. Oh, wow. He looked like a ghostbuster, this guy. He was oh, amazing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, But he wow. actually, so Mr. Black, as we used to call him, he brought the Bops and the Holy Ghost wow. up to Duncan Campbell and he worked with Duncan Campbell in the revival up there. Wow. And um, what they say on that video called Revival Hymn is said that that move was an answer to prayer. And it was nothing orchestrated by man. It was nothing organized. He said it was a sovereign move of God. And the presence of God came out in the entire island of Lewis. And it says, Mr. Black is saying that people came from three, four, five, six miles away to the church because they knew that that's where the the presence of God fell on the entire island. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Well, John, we want to share some powerful things tonight. I think it'll be amazing to touch on um, a little bit of what we just spoke about, about the... uh, the Wigglesworth journey we did and just various areas of your testimony, I think would really encourage people yes, today. Course, yeah. I just want to greet a few more people that are on for a few yeah. more moments. We've got Margaret tuned in all the way from South Africa. God bless you, Margaret. We've got Paul tuned in uh, saying, my mum, Christine, has a very painful tooth. She can't oh, have removed you. until a week tomorrow. Wow, okay. Please, please pray. Amen. She will still enjoy Friday's trip to the Isle of Wight. Okay. Bless you. I will be praying for her as well. Bless you, Christine. Yeah, amen. Gillian saying, we are looking forward to having you home, Evangelist John, from Gillian Chapman. Oh, Gillian. Hi, Jill. <laughs> She's in our church. Oh, amazing, amazing. We've got Michaela tuned in from Cornwall. That's amazing. We were just talking about Cornwall earlier on, actually. We were. We've got Akami from Canada. We've got Inna from Melbourne. We've got Becky from Hertfordshire. Joel from New Jersey. Yep, New Jersey. Blessings to you. Wayne Seal from South Africa. Yeah. Wow, South Africa. Wow, so many, so amazing to see nations here. We've got Hubert tuned in from Goa, India. Great to have you wow. on, Hubert. Praise the Lord. There's Lorraine all the way from Gloucester. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Wow. Tyler from Canada. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Cincinnati. Mm. Gorgeous Wales from Cincinnati. Wow, that's a powerful I name, isn't it? I saw Nicole on there earlier. Hi, Nicole. Oh. Nick Sharp. Nick's from our church as well. Oh, amazing. We've got Kelly tuned in from Jamaica. Jamaica. Great, great to have you on with us, Kelly. Bless you. Seema tuned in from Croydon. Limerick. Trent. Trent. Oh, and wow. Mern. 
Glory be to God. That's that young guy I was telling you about earlier from the Philippines. Oh, praise the Lord. Great young evangelist. Oh, Mar- amazing. An amazing wife. Amazing. And two beautiful children. They were over with Pastor Rodney Hart Brown in oh, a few amazing. months in, in Tampa. Oh, praise God. We've got Joyce Island from Milton Keynes. Joyce got baptized on Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. Great to have you on, Joyce. Congratulations, Joyce. Yeah, congratulations. And Amanda from Coventry, she also got baptized on Sunday on, as Amanda. well. Great to have you on as well. It's John Clark from Norwich. Oh, bless you, John. Bless you, man. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. We've got Byron from Watford, UK. Bless you, Byron. Great oh, to have you on. Daga and Rafa, from uh, their friends. Or there's the, he's a, they're the worship leaders of, of um, the River Church in Limerick. Oh, okay. And they're on our evangelism team as well. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, it'll be amazing to visit Ireland soon, John. Amen. Glory be to God. We were talking about it earlier, weren't we? Amen, amen. We've got San Diego tuned in. I see. Oh, I'll be in San Diego in a few weeks. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. We've got Gloria tuned in. Gloria from San Diego, yeah. Oh, bless you, Gloria. Ville member from Kenya. Great to have you on. Bless you. Let's keep going down. Burn, Lincolnshire, Joanne, Sawyer. New Jersey, Hyatt from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Praise wow. the Lord. Praise the Lord. We've got Falunga from Australia. Sheila Sarju from Guyana. Yeah. We've got, oh, Sheila, bless you. We've got David Solomon there tuned in from London, <coughs> England. Great to have you on, David. London. We're believing God for a mighty revival in London. Tracy, Tracy Moore from Cambridge. Hi, Tracy. Yeah. Hey, Tracy. Bless you. I will actually be in Cambridge in around a month or so as well for an outreach there. So that'll be powerful as well. Victoria Madrano from San Diego as well. Yeah, she's saying where in San Diego. Oh, where? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Ho- hopefully I'll remember by the time I get there. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Paul tuned in from Tunbridge, Wales. Bless you. We got Harleen Atwell tuned in from Farnham Common. Lloyd from Wolverhampton. Yeah, bless you, Lloyd. Carl Morris from Nottingham. Hi, Carl. Wow, so many. Sandra Matthews from Essex. Essex. (laughs) From Essex. We've got Sandra from Essex. We've got David Brooker on as well. Bless you. David Brooker, bless you, David. Bless you, man. Got quite a few EastEnders on tonight. Great to have you on, Dave. Amy A from Ethiopia. Oh, amazing. You were in Ethiopia. Yeah, I was. Recently. Yeah, end of last year. Yeah, that was a, a beautiful time. Beautiful yeah. time. Crusades and, yeah, God moved powerfully. Got Marie from North Yorkshire. Bless you, Marie. We've got James from Not- Nottinghamshire. Bless you, James. Matthew Ojur, sorry Matthew, I can't pronounce your second name, from <laughs> Worthing, West Sussex. Oh, bless you. Ellen Stream from Wolverhampton. We've got Vicky from Limerick as well. Hi Vicky from Limerick. Oh, amazing, amazing. David asking, will you be praying for healing tonight? Yes, we will actually. Um, so we'll definitely be doing Amen. that. Amen, definitely. You know, towards the... Dubai, Pinky Abraham. Wow. Bless you, Pinky. Great to have you on with us. From Dubai. Azrael, Ken, uh, Azrael from Kent. Bless you, Azrael. 
We got Penina from Kenya. Um. Yeah, we got uh, Mandela from Bradford. Bless you. We'll read a few more comments out, and then we're going to get into what we're going to share today. So I was just thinking about Dubai there. Uh, yeah. I, I could tell you a little joke, all right? Yeah, yeah, go for What's it. What's the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? <laughs> I'm not sure. In Dubai, they don't believe in the Flintstones, but Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Sorry. Right. My, well, Irish, my Irish sense of humor. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Claudette tuned in <laughs> from Luton. Bless you, Claudette. Gloria saying, I used to live in London, Essex, church planting. Oh, okay. Amazing. Wow. wow. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, Evangelist John, let, let's share a little bit on, I mean, what we want to share for tonight. I mean, obviously, we're going to pray for people today. And, Absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll come back and greet people shortly again. Yeah, I feel like, John, your testimony and passion for souls is so powerful. And I think a lot of people see the external. They see you doing the stuff. But when I see you and I sit with you, I don't just see you for the stuff you do. I see you for the man you are, mm -hmm. the things that you've been through, yeah. the, even the trials and tribulations that have made you Absolutely. the person that you are and the child of God that you are. And, um, yeah, we just honor you, John. We honor you, you and um, we love you, you know, and we're very thankful that, you know, you can be on tonight and just share with us. So I think it would be amazing in a nutshell if you could just share with the viewers your testimony, those that may not know your story. Yeah. I think it would be quite powerful. It would be a privilege. Um, just give you a quick rundown of my story. Um, I'm Irish, as some of you probably picked up. I'm from Dublin. come from a Catholic background. My father wow. was uh, quite a successful businessman, middle-class family. Wow. But... Um, one thing I've learned in life that people's reality is not what you perceive on the outside. Mm. My reality was between these two ears. And in my head, I was very insecure and shy as a child. Mm. And I found I had social anxiety mixing with people. I found it very difficult. I had a bad stutter. I couldn't speak very well. So when I reached the age of puberty, I, was, I felt quite handicapped. I didn't feel equipped to deal with life. And um, my mother was prescribed Valium tranquilizers by the doctor. Wow. And I, you know, I could see they worked. They helped her. So I thought, I'm going to try one of these. So I took a Valium tablet, and with the help of a Valium, my stammer went a little bit. Wow. The knot of anxiety that was in the pit of my stomach was, was almost completely gone. Um, the voice in my head where I was comparing myself to other people and putting myself down, that was silenced to a degree. And I thought, this is great, these Valium works. So the next day I robbed another one. And then I began to hang out with a group of people that were that had access to these type of drugs. They were smoking cannabis. And before long, I was taking these drugs every day. And by the time I was 15, 16, I was addicted. Mm. I got kicked out of school when I was 15 for punching the history teacher. And um, so that was the end of my education. And um, I began to take more and more drugs. Back in the, that would have been the late 60s in Ireland, late 1960s. That's how old I am. And um, back in the late 60s, there was no drug clinic. There was no detox units. So they'd put mm. you in the local mental institution. Mm. And I was, I was put in there a few times to detox off drugs. And I saw some horrific things in these places. Mm. And um, a lot of these things that you see and experience, they shape you. They, they make, they've made me who I am today. Wow. 
And uh, can I just share one story that happened when please I was do. in a mental institution? Yeah, yeah, please do. One night I was in a mental home uh, coming off drugs. Um, and I was detoxing off barbiturates, which are very strong sleeping pills. And coming off barbiturates, you can take fits and your breathing can stop. They're very dangerous drugs to detox from. So they, they were detoxing me in the hospital and I couldn't sleep. And uh, I heard a noise over the far side of the dimly lit hospital ward. There was probably 20-odd people in this large ward. And I looked across the dim-lit room. It was probably about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I saw an old man, a patient, was trying to sexually abuse a young deaf and dumb boy that was in the hospital as a patient as well. Gosh. And the staff light was on, but nobody was stopping it. And the young deaf and dumb guy was grunting and trying to push the older man off him. He was quite a strong older man. So when nothing was happening, I jumped out of bed and I ran across the ward and I, I smacked the old guy. I chased him off. And then I knocked on the staff door and I said to the staff, I said, where were you? Why didn't you come out and do something? I said, that old guy was trying to abuse that young deaf and dumb boy in, in, the, in, in the ward. I said, why didn't you come out to do something? But now staff in these places are meant to be the caretakers of the environment. Mm. They're meant to create a safe environment for the, pa for the patients to live yeah, in. Of course. And they weren't doing it. So I challenged the staff and the staff said to me, they said, who, who the hell do you think you are, John Edwards? They said, shut up and get back into your bed. You have no authority in this place. And because of low self-esteem and the conditioning of my past, I kind of, I cowed and I got back into bed and I wept and I thought, I can't react because I was locked in the place. If I react, they're going to keep me in longer. So I thought I'm trapped in this place. And then I, I looked up and I, I looked over at the deaf and dumb boy and he was sitting up in his bed and he was rocking back and forth in mental anguish at the abuse. God only knows how many times he'd been abused. Mm. And something snapped in my head and I looked at that boy and I wept for that boy. And something happened to me and I made a vow to myself, not to God, I made a vow to myself. I said, one day I'm going to get myself clean off these drugs and off this drink and I'm going to be a voice for people like him who cannot speak for themselves. Hallelujah. And that was a great lesson for me to learn because in the midst of the darkness of that place, destiny was formed. Amen. And quite often we look back in our past and we can just see trauma or we can just see brokenness. But if you learn to look into the darkness of our past, often you can find golden nuggets of wow. golden nuggets of destiny. Wow. Even back then in the mental home, I had compassion within me to protect the broken. Mm. And that's that's partly what kept me alive through the next 20 odd years of drug and alcohol addiction. I ended up homeless in the streets begging for a living. I ended up I've overdosed at least 20 times accidentally. I've been in comas for three and four days at a time, um, injecting drugs straight into my veins. Back then, there was no needle exchanges. There was no drug clinics. We shared maybe one syringe with 10 to 15 people. Oh. So if one got hepatitis, we all got hepatitis. And that's mm -hmm. just the way it was back then. To a lot of addicts these days, that's totally foreign. They don't know that world of addiction. Back then, there was no phones, no mobile phones. There was no computers so we used to make our own prescriptions and get wow. drugs over the counter in chemists all over ireland i think drugs like dicanol and palfium and you could buy drugs over the counter then that had morphine in them that had speed in them you get nasal inhalers like vix nasal inhalers you get different types of nasal that has strong uh, benzedrine speed you had cough bottles with ephedrine speed 
You had cop bottles with more pure morphine in them. So we were abusing all of these different drugs. The drug scene is completely different now. Mm. But that's the way it was back in the day. And we used to write our own prescriptions. And I became hopelessly addicted. Then my mates began to die, unfortunately, one by one. Accidental overdoses. And my best friend, when he died, I just couldn't go to any more funerals. It was, my heart was completely broken. Most of my best friends had passed away through accidental overdose. And I ran away from Ireland and I went to live in London, I thinking that a geographical change will help me. But you know something, uh, Daniel, the, the, the first person I met when I got off the train in Euston Station in London, the first person I met was myself. Mm. I couldn't leave my trauma, my brokenness, my issues behind me. They came with me. And I had a couple of weeks of a honeymoon period in London, but very quickly I ended up on the streets actually begging for a living. You know, we sometimes casually listen to somebody like me saying um, I was begging for a living. But for somebody to actually ask other people out of their brokenness for a bit of change so you can get food or drugs or drink, it takes real brokenness to do that. So every homeless person that we see in the streets, they all have a story to tell. They're not just a waste of space. They're not just uh, broken people. They're, they're, they're devastated people. Mm. And one of the most awful things about being homeless in the streets is lack of human touch, lack of human communication. That's why when I go on the streets now, I'll take time to talk to people. Yeah. I'll, take down, I'll take time to sit with them and buy them a coffee and you know, hold their hand maybe or say, lay hands upon them and pray with them. And that can literally save their lives. But while I was on the streets there, um, I got into an old Irish um, unit where they used to keep homeless people. And while I was there, my family got in touch with me and told me that my father had died. Wow. Alcohol had killed my dad. And he was only 63 years of age when he died. But my family told me that as much as they loved me, they didn't want me to come home for the funeral because I was so chaotic in my lifestyle. So the morning my father was, was buried, I was down a back alley drinking and taking drugs with another homeless guy. And I just broke. I just, I hit my, smacked off my rock bottom. I, something very deep within me broke. And I thought, I've got a choice here. I either commit suicide or I put my effort in to changing my life. And the old homeless guy who I was with, I told him, I began to cry. And he said, what's the matter? And I, I told him, my father's getting buried in Dublin this morning. And he just grabbed me and he pulled me to himself and he hugged me tight. And I wept and wept into his shoulder. And he advised me to go home to Ireland. And I went home to Ireland about a year later. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, my mother took me in again. Typical mm. mother, just unconditional love. And she told me, she said, John, she says, please, you can't keep taking drugs. She said, the last time you're home, you overdosed. And I had to sit outside the emergency room listening to your stomach getting pumped again. She said, I can't take it anymore. And either can you, son, she said to me. And I said, Mom, I said, I'll try to change. But in Alcoholics Anonymous, I met some Christians they were charismatic Catholic Christians, but they said they were born again. They knew Jesus personally. Mm. And I watched these people for about three months. There was something about them that was different. Wow. They weren't just religious people. They had like a personal relationship with God. And th that had a profound effect in me as I watched them. And I knew I had to go to one of their meetings. So in September 1987, I went along to one of their meetings. And at that meeting, during the music I'd never heard proper worship before. It was wow. beautiful worship music. And the words were like about God forgiving us, mm. God giving us hope and a future, 
God taking our shame and our guilt away from us. And during the music, I began to call out to God and say, God, if you're as real as these people are saying you are, please help me. Because mm. I'm dying. My doctor had given me less than a year to live because of the rec- my body was in a mess. And I began to get, I said, God, if you're real, you must have seen me at all my friends' funerals. You must have seen me when I, listen, I've been sexually abused and broken in many ways. And I said, God, you must have seen me when I was abused. You must have seen me when I was living on the streets and in the mental homes. If you're as real as these Christians are saying you are, God, please come and help me. And I called out to God from a very deep place, not just from my head, Daniel, yeah, yeah. but from very deep within me, from the place where a real cry comes from. That's mm-hmm. where I called out to God. And God heard that cry, and the presence of the Holy Spirit came into that room, and it hit me in my head and went shooting down through my body. And something broke when it reached my tummy, and like a dark shadow came up and out the right-hand side of my head. And the power of God then hit me. My body shook all over. I quaked with the presence of God. It was a radical encounter, and I got a personal revelation of salvation. I knew that day that I was a Christian. I became a Christian. I got born again by the power of God. And from that moment, my life has never been the same again. Not long afterwards, I went to a Christian rehab. I stopped smoking, drinking, and taking drugs the day I went to the rehab. And that was 32 years ago yesterday. Wow, glory to God. So, well, congratulations, thank you. John. Yesterday was Lord. my 32nd anniversary. Wow. And uh, uh, then I met a, a beautiful girl after rehab, Trisha. Mm. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I asked her to marry me even before I kissed her or held her hand. Wow. I just fell for her. I knew she was the girl from me. Wow. We were 25 years married in September. Wow. And uh, she had four children when I met her. And uh, so I was single for 42 years, then overnight there were six of us. Wow. <laughs> so uh, now that. we have four grandkids. And uh, yeah, we got a great life. Mm. I've had my, my ups and downs as well. I got, uh, unfortunately, I had hepatitis C from sharing dirty needles. And as you know, I had to get a liver transplant a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. But um, wow. that was a successful transplant. That was 17 years ago in May. Wow. Wow, congratulations, John. What an incredible story of redemption and God's grace. So many are commenting, inspired, and touched by the Lord. (coughs) Wow. 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 So, John, I remember a few years back, you shared with me a visitation that you had about you having an encounter in heaven. Yes. And... um, yeah, just just touch on that for a few moments. Okay, um, I haven't shared this very often. Yeah, it was like um, I had a visitation into heaven for three hours. Wow, it's over twenty years ago now, and I went through a time, and I'm sure many people watching now or watching later can identify with some of this. I was in a church that was falling apart, and I suffered great spiritual abuse. Wow by the leaders in that church at the time, Mm. by one leader in particular. It broke me to the core. And I decided I was going to give up the ministry. I never wanted to see another day of ministry again in my life. Um, But I want people to know that God's bigger than that. But I didn't realize that at the time. And I was so broken at that time that our marriage suffered and everything suffered during this time. And... um, I, one night, I um, was in the house and somebody phoned up for a ministry. Their daughter, who I had put into a rehabilitation center, she had been a heroin addict. She was demanding her medication back from the rehab bosses. Mm. 
And the father and mother rang me and asked me to pray for the girl. But I was so broken. I was so much in pain. I didn't want to pray for anybody. Now, I'm sorry if that might disappoint some people to hear me saying that, but I was, I was totally, totally, totally broken. And I was justified in being broken for what happened to me. But I learned a precious lesson that day. Um, I didn't want to pray for anybody, but then I heard the girl's father crying in the background on the phone. Mm. And that touched something very deep within me. It touched compassion in me. In pain, our compassion gets buried. And when I heard him crying, it touched something in me, and I said, okay, I'll pray. So we put the phone down, and Trish and I began to pray for this particular girl. Then we finished praying. Trisha went to bed, and I said, I'll be into bed shortly. I went into bed maybe half an hour later. And as I went to put my head in the pillow, I was changed instantly. I was lifted out of the bedroom into what seemed to be like a room that was 40, about 40 feet long by 20, 25 feet wide. And there was blue chairs in it. And I knew in this experience it was the waiting room to go into heaven. And I knew that heaven was on the far side of the wall that was on the far side of the on, that was across me in the room and i walked across the room and put my back against the wall knowing that heaven was in behind me and the fear of god was all over me and i looked down and i could see my knees shaking with the fear of god and i got the revelation that my life was being examined in heaven to see if my name was in the lamb's book of life and i daniel i was absolutely terrified wow I thought, is my, am I saved? Am I really saved? And then I, I, I began to realize that nothing of all the ministry, of all the help I've given to people, nothing counts towards my salvation in the slightest millions of a little piece. The only thing that counts is the blood of Jesus. And wow. do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? And I was terrified and I questioned my salvation. I said, yes, I think I do. I trust the Lord, you know. I, I'm justified by faith. I do trust the Lord. And that while I'm thinking of this through, the seriousness of am I really saved, suddenly my voice was called from the top of the room. And I said, John Charles Edwards, come forward. And I was called up to the top of the room. And there was like a screen on the wall. And there was a face on it. And I couldn't make the face out. And the scripture came to me, no man can see the face of God and live. And this face looked at me and it said, John Charles Edwards, it says, your life has been examined and you are spotless because of the blood of the Lamb. Enter into rest. And man, the revelation wow. of justification by faith that came upon me was the most precious gift I've ever received in my life. I cannot even find English words to describe the So impact. John, just say, say, that, say that again. So, so what, what did you hear? It's, it, the what, voice called John Charles Edwards come forward. And I knew my life was being examined wow. in, the, in, in heaven. See, my name was written in the in the Bible talks about a book the, yeah, the in heaven of, yeah. called the Lamb's Book of Life, and the saved their names are in there. Mm. And I was questioning, is my name in there? So when I was called forward, what I believe is the voice of God spoke to me, and it wasn't hair or ear, but like it was like vibrations going through me. Wow. Your life has been examined, and you have found to be spotless because of the blood of the Lamb. Jesus. Enter into oh. rest. Enter into rest. And I entered into a rest of security, of salvation that is, was a gift and a revelation by God. Wow. And, and then, then I, I heard a noise to my right-hand side, and I turned around and I looked, and there was an old guy walking towards me. He was in like a, a very high-ranking military uniform, like a colonel or something, mm. with medals on his chest here of battles fought and victories won. 
He had white hair and a beautiful red ruddy face and the most beautiful blue eyes you ever saw in your life. Mm. And he walked towards me and he went around behind me. And then he came around in front and he stood on my left-hand side and he looked at me. Now, remember the pain I'd been struggling with? Sure. And it was devastating pain. It was more painful than any mental home. It was more painful in the streets the, the, what I went through in my life. Wow. And this, I believe he was an angel. He said to me, he said, John Charles Edwards, you've suffered much pain, haven't you? I said, yes, I have. He said, John Charles Edwards, you've suffered much grief, haven't you? I said, yes, I have. He said, John Charles Edwards, you've suffered much brokenness, haven't you? I said, yes, I have. And he grabbed a hold of my left elbow with his right hand. He says, come with me. And he turned me around by my left elbow. And we walked towards the wall over there about three or four paces. And we went through an invisible wall and I was instantly in heaven. Wow. How did I know I was in heaven? I knew I was in heaven because of the glory of God. I got completely overwhelmed and saturated with the presence of Christ, the (laughs) resurrected Savior. The presence of God was more real than the chair that I'm sitting in here. And it it was just magnificent. There's not an English word can describe it. There was no sense. It it, it was dark. There was like what looked like stars all over the place. There was no Mm. sense of gravity. And he let go of my left elbow. And he moved over to my right, he went behind me, moved over to my right side, and he held my right arm and he, with his left hand, and he pointed up to higher heaven with his right hand, and he said, look. And I looked up, and there was a younger angel coming down at great speed towards us. And the younger angel came down to me, and he said, and again, they, for some reason, they mentioned my full name every time. John Charles Edwards, come with us. We have something to show you. Yeah. And they flew me up into higher heaven. And the further we went, the stronger the presence of God got to the degree that I said to myself, my body is going to die. And I couldn't wait to shake this body off. It was like I was, I think it's like the Apostle Paul says, whether he was there, he said he knows a man who went into the seventh heaven or the third heaven, was it? And he said, whether it was in the flesh or not, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if I was there in the flesh, but it felt like my body was going to die. This body was not built for such glory. And we went up into higher heaven and then we stopped and a window, the younger angel put his hand out and the side of heaven opened up and I could see earth. Wow. And I could see people falling into hell off of earth. And then paths appeared on the earth. And the older angel said, these are the paths of life. And he began to declare Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time to be born. There's a time to grieve and a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh. And then for man to die. And I could see the death of every human being on earth falling into either going, the Christians going to heaven or the non-Christians going to hell. And I began to weep and I said, why won't somebody tell the people that they're going to hell? Why won't somebody go? And um, then a cross came out of high heaven, came shooting down and hit one of the pathways. And one of the pathways that hit was wide and broad where the non-Christians were on. And the destiny of all the non-Christians changed. the, The death and hell vanished from the end and the gateway of heaven appeared. And then crosses began to come out of higher heaven. And the cross had begun to hit the whole planet. And I heard this voice from higher heaven saying, John Charles Edwards, take the gospel to the lost and take the cross to my people. Wow. John Charles Edwards, take the gospel to the lost, take the cross to my people. And I came to on my bed. Three hours had passed. It felt like five minutes. It felt like wow. three minutes. <laughs> and three hours had passed. Wow. Uh, I, uh, Tricia woke up and she said the glory, she said I was glowing. Wow. I was glowing. The glory of God was in the room. Hallelujah. And I got up and I wrote the experience down. Mm. And then the phone rang. And it was the father of that girl. Wow. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and a miracle happened that girl overnight she repented she got her medication and she crushed it all under her feet and she planted a church a couple of years later (laughs) wow 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 why i had that experience that's you know, I was given the ministry up, but after that, I knew I was called as an evangelist and I had to be obedient to serve God. Wow. And it was a joy to do it. John, as I hear that testimony, and what's profound is you don't really share that publicly. Not really, no. You know, so... Yeah, so we're very <laughs> privileged to hear yeah, this Yeah, everyone tuning in tonight. This is a, uh, like a behind the scenes, just I, unfiltered... I, I tell you why I do that. It's a very personal thing. Of course, yeah. It's a very personal time of brokenness. It wasn't a, a, a vision of seeing Streets of Gold. I didn't meet sure, Jesus sure, personally sure. or... I didn't get shown any rooms with, with different things. It was a very personal call of God that was coming upon my life. And that's why I don't share it very often. And the reason why I asked you to share that today is because over the last 24 to 48 hours, the Spirit of the Lord was bringing that dream to my remembrance. Like you shared that with me probably about six six years ago or something yeah, like that. probably. And the Spirit of the Lord was bringing that to my remembrance and John, there's a few things from that visitation you had. I called it a dream, but really it was a visitation. Was obviously, you know, you nervously waiting in that waiting room. And then when your life was being examined, it seemed like your entrance into heaven was based on the blood of Jesus and your faith in that righteousness and justification by faith. Now, what I find powerful about that is one thing I've noticed about evangelists. When they are on the front line, when they're busy doing a lot of stuff, because evangelists do a lot of stuff, right? They win souls, they preach a lot, and it seems like they're, they're very busy. I find that Satan loves to condemn and i think this is not just for evangelists but for christians worldwide really um generically speaking but satan loves to bring guilt he loves to bring shame he loves to bring condemnation yeah i'm just reminded of the scripture in a book of revelation that says satan is the accuser of the, the brethren, brethren. Yep. and it's yeah. as if his job is just to accuse you know anytime a christian wants to be better or go to church or pull out the bible they'll hear that voice of accusation of when was the last time you read your Bible? Who do you think you are going to yeah. church? Look at your messed up past. Who do you think you are trying to be a better person? It seems like Satan loves to remind Christians of their past or of their imperfections. And with you being someone who's been through so much in your life, and then you're someone who is a doer of the word, you're someone who, you know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You're someone who operates in works concerning evangelism, outreaches, helping the homeless and all of that. (coughs) You do so much. And what I find profound about that visitation you had to heaven is the focus came back to the blood of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ. And I just want to encourage people because it seems like there's a real spirit of depression. There's a real spirit of religion that is really heavy on a lot of ministers, evangelists, and even a lot of Christians. And I just love that the focus was on righteousness Mm. and the blood. I just love that. Well, I think particularly, you know, I'm sure there's people watching who've been broken and maybe, listen, we're all broken. Amen, yeah. You know, because we were born into sin. So we all have had a fallen sin sin nature. So it's had devastating effects on all of us, the consequence of having a sin nature. So 
So the, the, the terminology we hear today, like low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, you know, trauma-based personalities, mental health, all these modern terms, that we, we're all broken people. Mm. And um, so when you, go into, when you go into ministry, to actually find out who we are in ministry, it takes time. Mm. My old pastor, Paul Scanlon, used to say that the hardest thing to do in the world is to be yourself. Mm. Because most people don't know who they actually are. A revelation of who we are comes through trial, how we navigate trials and tribulations and how, how we find balance in our life with all these different things. We eventually emerge. And it would be like the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 where you actually realize it's no longer we who live. Ooh, just touch on that for a moment, John. Well, you know, uh, the, the, person that, uh, the person that I became conditioned from sexual abuse, mm. physical abuse, mental abuse... Uh, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, um, lack of opportunity, kicked out of school when I was 15. It all spells failure. So for me to emerge out of that with no qualifications, to be somebody who can be influencing some of the, some of the highest authorities in the world. Yeah. You know, we've had influence in the White House, for example, yes. in America. So how did I come from the gutter wow. to come to getting phone calls from the White House when we walked across America? Um, it's a huge challenge to, to operate at a level with people and feel comfortable in your own skin. Wow, that's a good word. A lot of people retreat into people they feel comfortable with. Mm. And by doing that, they never really achieve their absolute destiny mm. because they cannot find the confidence or they cannot find the people who are not in competition with them. Mm. You know, to find true friends is to find people who see your destiny and support you in it. And um, so the journey that I've had in my brokenness to find out who John Edwards is, that's been a, that's been a real, real journey. And I've discovered who I am through the trauma and wow. brokenness that's happened in life. Wow. So the Apostle Paul said, now the Apostle Paul was, uh, he, he was an accomplice to murder. Hmm. You know, when the, when the evangelist Stephen died, Paul held his clothes, held the clothes of the murderers. So... Um, he was able to say in Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. Mm. The person I used to be, the broken person, the insecure, shy, never mind the addiction bit, just everything else attached on, that person no longer lives. Wow. So wow. I'm not living a life that's modified from the person I used to be. I haven't just bolted on some nice things. I haven't bolted on self-confidence. I haven't bolted on a false smile that I can put on a, on a camera. I haven't bolted on some nice clothes or, you know, um, I've not put things onto my life that makes me look like a success. You know, somebody asked me once, and said, John, your testimony is incredible. But I said, they said, uh, but is it like that on the inside? Um, my testimony on the inside is, it's no longer I who live. It's wow. Christ who lives within me. Christ has been formed in me. Jesus. That's the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God. So I cannot do anything but express love to people. That's why I've just spent three weeks on the streets. Now, not preaching in big churches. I've preached in a lot of churches. But I went to mm. Ireland to live on the streets, to reach the homeless and the addicted, mm. to buy them sleeping bags. and have. That's an expression of Christ in me. Amen. Ministry is not something that we learn to do. It's an expression of Christ in us. Wow. 
And when you Powerful. minister from that place, you don't learn the art of communication. Oh, <laughs> or the latest powerful. church growth strategy. How about that Come one? Come on. Yeah, uh, you're right. The five uh, steps of the 10 ways of <laughs> how to grow your ministry. Yeah, yeah. Or three ways to do an altar call, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, so uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 when Christ uh, comes into us, it's like a seed that grows, that pushes self out. Yeah. Self is in the way. And that's why death dying to self was a doctrine that's not taught an awful lot in churches these days. Yeah, yeah. People prefer to go to counselor rather than Christ. Wow. John, what's so powerful about that scripture in Galatians 2.20? It says, I have been crucified with Christ. So like you said, the old man has died. But then it goes on to say, it's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now, now live... live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. And that's what I love about what you're saying about finding yourself, your faith in Christ, who you are, Christ being formed in you. Because there are a lot of people that just want to clone. And, and one thing about God, he doesn't create copies. He creates originals. Yeah. Your testimony is so unique and original. And it's authentic. You're not trying to be anyone. And, and this is no. why I love people like you, because there's such an authenticity. Because these days, you know, people just want to copy someone, act like them, talk like them. I mean, I remember hearing one English evangelist, and he was preaching in an American accent. I know. Yeah. I, I remember one prophet. <laughs> I remember one prophet. And all of a sudden, this prophet started ministering in an American accent. I was thinking, what on earth is this guy doing? Yeah. Just just preach in an English accent. Just preach how, like, it's as if, you know, people watch the preacher on the TV and then start preaching in the same way. You have to learn to be yourself, isn't well, it? That's exactly what I'm f talking about. So a lot of these people, uh, lovely people, well, well-meaning people, I'm not putting anybody down at all sure, in saying sure. this, but when they don't know who they are, when they find their favorite preacher, they become like their favorite preacher. Wow. They, they're, 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 their body language, their... They're, um, the, the, the accent even, it can turn American or, or Irish <laughs> even. or whatever. But until they begin to find themselves, that'll be a true expression, a true expression of who they are. And mm -hmm. it takes time. And it takes, again, the Holy Ghost in you, pushing out the self. Yeah. So like when I used to minister, when I used to give my testimony, I used to love giving my testimony at the beginning because all the attention I used to get, mm. at last I was getting some positive attention instead of wow. negative attention. Sure, sure. And for a time I needed that. Mm. But then the day came where the Holy Spirit says, stop doing that. Wow. I want you to get out of the way and let me testify through you. Let it be the testimony, let it be the testimony of Christ in me, the hope of glory, and not just the testimony of what I've come from. Can you understand what? It's a bit hard to put into English words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no room for self. There's no room, room, there's no room for ego. Yeah. God is faithful to deal with stuff like that. Hallelujah. And it's important to find people. Like when I was a young Christian, I used to purpose to go out and about to find these older guys and older ladies as well who had walked with God a long time. Mm. And I used to purposely spend time with them. Wow. There's an old guy in North Wales I used to go to. His name was Arthur Burt. Mm. He had lived with Smith Wigglesworth when he was a kid. Wow. And I go up to his house in a place called Penmen Mower in North Wales, and I'd live in, a, in his house for a week with him. And mm. I'd just sit at his feet and listen to him and glean. Mm. And then Mr. Black, my old mentor, was a beautiful man of God. He just was such a special man. And I just spent time with these people. And I hope and I pray that I'm becoming one of those older guys now 
that I can just impart to the younger generation something special. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are, John. I mean, you're you're a, a real encouragement to myself and Tanya. You know, behind the scenes, you're a support to us, and you're someone who genuinely is just rooting us on. You know, with no agenda, with no. Because no. to be perfectly honest with you, John, I have met people in ministry that are twice our age, triple our age, and that are bitter, that are jealous, yep. that are envious, and it's like sometimes ministry can change people in negative in a negative way yes, as can, well. Yeah. But you are really such a genuine man of God, and and you know we honor you and we thank God for your testimony. And, yeah, I just know people are being blessed right now. And I just want to encourage someone watching right now as well. Learn to be yourself. You know, you don't have to try to copy That's anyone. Right. You don't have to try and parrot the preacher on the screen. You be who God's calling you to be. And you will actually reach people that myself and John Edwards can't reach. You can reach people. Listen, you might be a, a mother that's doing the chores, going to the laundrette or whatever. You're evangelizing, reaching souls that we can't reach. And we've all got to play our part. <coughs> and I just want to encourage someone to say this. Be yourself. Hallelujah. And allow Christ to be formed in you. And yes, you have died, your old nature, your old man. But now the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And yeah, just be yourself. I just want to encourage someone with that. Just be yourself. Hallelujah. I, I, often, think, I often think of uh, the different men and women of God in Scripture and the, the journey to them becoming the man or woman of God they're oh, meant to be. That's, that's deep. That's, sorry, and, um, John, that's deep. I, I look at Abraham, just to mention one or two. I look at Abraham when God spoke to him about the promise that he had to have a child, uh, mm. Isaac. And um, Abraham put his best effort in to make the promise of God happen. So, And he was encouraged by his wife, Sarah, so to, to sleep with Hagar. So mm. man's best effort, effort was to have a child that was Ishmael. Uh, which was the father of the Muslims, actually. Yeah, exactly. So that was man's best effort at making the promises of God happen. But the miracle of God happened after Abraham believed, and it was considered to him as righteousness. Yeah. And the miracle of God happened, and, and uh, Isaac was born. Or I'd, I would love to look at different situations. I'd love to look at maybe uh, the loaves and the fishes, for example, mm. and to see the disciples who were still learning how to be proper representatives of God. And... Uh, Jesus had come to the disciples and said, let's go off, take a break. You're all exhausted. Let's go in. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Let's go and take a break. So they went off. But when they got there, there was 5,000 people waiting. You know, I sometimes wonder if Jesus had a smirk in his face, if he knew. Because he's trying to teach them a lesson here. Mm. And the disciples who were exhausted at this stage, to the point of nearly burning out, they said, oh, Jesus, just send the people home. So they hadn't fully discovered who they were in God yet. Wow. So the, the, the human being in them wanted to send them all home because they were at the end of their human strength. But they didn't realize there's another gear that spirit-filled people can go into. They were, living at, they were living at the end of what they were able to do. So they said, Jesus, send them home. But Jesus said, no, he said, I have compassion. Wow. Right? And really, proper ministry is led by compassion, not wow. ambition. Wow. Not competition. Mm. It's led by... It, it, it's led by compassion so Jesus said no I have compassion take what you have and give it out mm. and the miracle happened and I think of the disciples in situations like that how intellectually they must have thought that through afterwards they have to have had conversations afterwards and said wow we were going to send them home 
we're going to have to renew our thinking regarding yeah. you know when we're working with people there's another gear that in in the three-dimensional world of our human body we're not able to enter into but god's given us a gift of compassion you think of moses in the cleft of the rock in the book of exodus when moses went up and he 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 um he god said stand in the cleft of the rock and i'll reveal myself to you mm. the first revelation that moses had was god of compassion wow so compassion leads us to a place in God that human gifting, human frailty cannot take us. Our gifting skills, talents, ability, our, our gifting, our oratory gifting, our communication skills mm. cannot touch this. But if, we, if compassion is added onto our ministry, it'll take us places that any organization or strategy will not take us to. Wow. Wow. And then you have, I, we were talking earlier and we talked about the disciples when they went across the sea and the great storm blew up. Mm. In, I think it's in Matthew chapter 8 and in, in Mark chapter 4. And um, Jesus fell asleep at the back of the boat. Yeah. And uh, I wonder sometimes that Jesus do this. I'm going to go for a kip here just see how they handle this. I yeah. know there's a storm. There's a storm going to blow up in a few minutes. And I'm just going to go. Maybe, maybe he had one eye open, keeping an eye on them, seeing how they're coping with it. And they, so intellectually, they're looking. There's a storm blowing in my life. Jesus is nowhere. He's asleep. So they interpreted Jesus being asleep as Jesus not caring. So they woke him and said, do you not care, Master, that we perish? So they intellectually interpreted Jesus being asleep as him not caring. But Jesus stood up and he said, where is your faith? One translation says, you have no faith. And he got up and he, but even though they didn't express faith, he still rebuked the storm. The storm. Mm. And calm came. So the disciples must afterwards must have thought, we need to renew our minds here. There's another level of intellectual submission that we need to give that our minds will become more the mind of Christ in situations like that. Or what about, for example, you know, we talk about sowing and reaping and we talk about prosperity and stuff like that and that creates all kinds of issues, particularly yeah. in Britain and Ireland and Europe. Yeah, sure. But what about, for example, did you ever hear this one preach? You know, um, uh, you know, the birds of the air, they, mm. they don't sow nor reap yeah. or store away in barns, but yet our Heavenly Father provides everything for them. Mm. What about that character of God? That even mm. for the ones who don't sow. Wow. <laughs> that's deep. And that's he provides for them. If we, because if you consider the birds of the air, he tells us to consider them. Mm. They don't sow, but they still reap because they have total trust in God's provision. Wow. Powerful. And then it says, how much more value are you to God than the birds of the air? Yeah. You know? Oh, it's deep. It's deep. And I think that it's so needed, isn't it, for Christians to walk in a greater level of compassion. And one thing I love about that story on the boat, it says Jesus had a pillow. So yes, he, it does. Yeah, yeah. It says Jesus had a pillow. So he was just comfortably just chilling in the midst of the storm. He was fast asleep. Yeah, and it's almost as if Christ was showing us a number of things in that. Is one, you can sleep through the storm. And two, also, it was as if Christ didn't just want them to depend on his ability, but he wanted them to grow in faith as well. Yeah, look at look at Peter. Mm. At one minute, Peter's denying Christ at the cross. Yeah. I don't know him, he said. He denied him three times at the cross. But that same Peter, after he was filled with the Spirit in Pentecost, later on he got locked up in jail. Yeah. 
Wow. And it says he was asleep, even though he was meant to be killed the next morning. Oh. He was asleep. And the angel had to come and said the angel had to smack him in the head. That's the, that's the Irish version. <laughs> the angel had to smack him in the head that's to the wake c- him up. Wow. He was in such a deep sleep. So the same Peter who denied Christ was now sleeping when he was meant to die the next morning. Something wow. had significant. It was no longer that Peter who lived, but it's Christ who lived. And he knew that even if they kill me, I'll, I'll be resurrected. That's why Abraham was able to bring Isaac to the altar. He said, even if I do kill him, he'll resurrect him. Wow. So, John, from what we're sharing today, even with your testimony and how you have grown in faith from your testimony, even as we're seeing these moments of the early church and the disciples where it didn't look like they were walking in faith immediately, but they grew into that. It seems like God can really use trials and tribulations, not to say he's sending them or he's the one, you know, making them happen, but it seems like the Lord can really use trials and tribulations to help develop our character and build our resilience and even our faith. Do you know, there was a book that helped me many, many years ago. It was a very famous book back... uh, 30 years ago it was called from prison to praise you can still get it actually in amazon it's called from prison to praise it's written by a guy called merlin carruthers and it takes the scripture from thessalonians i forget exactly where the scripture is whereas it says pray continually rejoice always uh, for this is god's will concerning you and um there's another scripture in james 1 verse 3 i think it says um uh, rejoice when all kinds of tests and trial come your way because the yeah. testing of your faith produces perseverance wow. and perseverance when it's finished its work makes you mature and complete so you lack no mm. good thing so um, how can you tell somebody to, if they're going through the greatest trial of their life how can they say rejoice or give thanks to God in all circumstances or what about Romans eight twenty eight? all things are meant to work together for the good yeah. I mean, you ever meditate on these things? All things are meant to work together for the good. What's the condition? If you love God and are called according to his purpose, well, we love God because he loved us first, but are we called according to his purpose? Yes, we are. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So we're all qualified. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn how to rejoice. It's a, it's a, yeah. a doctrine that's not taught very often wow. in our churches these days. You need to learn... You know, give yourself a good kick in your in your Christian backside and, and get up and start rejoicing, wow. start worshipping God. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The blood of Christ is sufficient. You know, these minor trials. Wow. You know, I've had cancer twice. I've had six oh. operations down my neck. I've had 40 once a month. I worship God the whole way through those things. And for, look, hey, presto, here I am, 68 Hallelujah. years of age, in great shape for my age, with, with Scottish liver, false teeth, Hanging in there with bits and pieces. But I'm the real deal, you know, because the word of God is real. And God's watching over to see that he performs. So if we declare the word of God. Wow. John, I believe this mindset, right, of in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the valley. Oh, yes, there'll be moments when we're on the mountaintop and it feels good and it's easy to worship God. But these valleys, and, and this is what I've really, you know, seen in the last few years of even my own walk with the lord of like the wilderness the valleys and you know going through the lockdowns and and everything that happened and seeing what the lord can produce on the inside of a christian during those trials and i just feel like if we as believers can learn to 
Keep praising God, keep thanking God, yep. keep glorifying God in the midst of the battle. Yes. I just feel like that type of Christian would be unstoppable. And eventually totally. they will become stronger. You know, you mentioned about perseverance being produced. I've just got this scripture here, Romans 5 verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It yeah. says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. We have peace Amen. with God. Then it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Amen. That's not, really taught. That's not really taught nowadays, no. Brother John. We're meant to glory in tribulations. Oh, you're going through a trial and tribulations. You should be glorying in yeah. that. One of the banes of my life is to see kids in schools these days where everybody's a winner. Wow. People are not taught how to come second in a race. They're not taught how to come last in a race. Wow. Everybody receives a medal. It's like even if you're last, you know, you're, 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 you're an achiever. And I can see some of the wisdom where they're trying to do that. But we're producing children that don't know how to persevere wow. or navigate tough times in their life. You know, even I look at the addiction field. I work with addicts a lot of the time. You know, and they, they just comfort them with methadone and Valium and sleeping pills and antidepressants, antipsychotics. And the more rubber-brained through the medication they're giving them, instead of getting these people addicted and say, get your act together, detox off your smack, detox off your crack cocaine, do whatever you need to do, get a life for yourself, persevere through the pain. A lot of, back in the day when we were addicts, we used to detox ourselves all the time, cold turkey. Just stop taking our drugs and go through a few days or a few weeks of the trauma of detoxes. Sometimes you take fits or hallucinations, but we just go through. These days, people are terrified to do it because they're conditioned not to go through trials. Wow. So people are almost trained to like avoid trials or become numb to the pain yes. rather than that side of your soul, that, that part of you to be able to conquer yeah, you know, because sometimes you can't go around the mountain or you go underneath it. it. You got to go through you go that through thing, it, man. I, I remember teaching. I remember when my grandkids, my grandson, my two grandsons were younger, um, and I taught them how to fight. Hmm. I, I think it's important to teach young boys how to fight. I, I, I think I think it is as well. I taught them how to fight. I taught them how to box and how to wrestle. And uh, you know, they're only kids, and I'd have one in the blue corner and one in the red corner. And the red, you know, and the two of them they'd <laughs> mill into each other, you know. Yeah. And then the did you then, did you have the popcorn out, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the two of them were allowed to fight me. Oh. And um, <laughs> but then I said, I said in school, if anybody tries to bully, I said punch them right in the nose or punch them between the eyes. Mm. And they did, but the school got them in trouble because now it's zero tolerance for even if you're self-defense. Wow. So that's helped to breed a lot of young people that don't know how to fight. They don't know how to navigate tough times. And uh, I think it's shocking what we're producing in the world today. And in Christianity, we have a soft approach to preaching these days. So we're true. afraid to tell people the truth. As I've got older, graciously and with compassion, I love to tell people the truth. Yeah. I've got to find ways of doing it. Do I come from this angle? Do I come from that angle? But nevertheless, the truth has to be told. And sometimes people, often people will get offended with me for telling the oh, truth. Oh, come on. But they often come back to me later. And, and thank said, you for we, it. And thank me for it. Wow. So we as ministers and leaders, we have to learn how to confront people with compassion to such, and be able to be man enough to take the rejection we might get temporarily. And eventually these people come back. You do that and you'll build a church 
or a ministry or a family or a workforce that is dynamic with power, with people who know how to navigate tough times and know how to give the devil a good kick in the teeth. Come on. You know, quite often we blame the devil for a, for a lot and it's not him at all. It's just that we need to give ourselves a good kick in our behinds to get up on our feet again and uh, take the devil out by all means in yeah, Jesus' yeah, yeah. name. Come on. But we need to be men and we need to be women who know how to fight yeah. and not be ashamed of that fact either. Wow, I love that. And, you know, as I read this scripture, it says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Wow. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope so glory in tribulations knowing that tribulations produce perseverance so if you want to grow more in the perseverance that brother john was talking about which really is a missing ingredient in a generation then you need to glory in your trials. And if you're going through something right now, I want to encourage you. You're not just going through that trial in vain. Something is being produced on the inside of you. And it's perseverance. And that perseverance is going to help you go to another level in God. It's going to help you be stronger. And a lot of the times, Evangelist John, I find that, you know, God... God is so multifaceted That's right. where he at times is preparing us. Like you spoke about fighting there. And I remember when I was younger, I used to love boxing. I used to box as yeah. well. I used to, Great. you know, and, and but the self-discipline and the areas I believe has even helped me in some sides of the ministry of when you're going through things, when yep. you need discipline in certain areas. And that word perseverance, John, is so, so key. It's so, so key, isn't it? Uh, listen, without perseverance, I would not be sitting here today. I, I think to glory, what does that scripture say again? So this is what it says, and this is Romans chapter 5, <laughs> verse 3. It says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. So the, yeah. the verse above is saying that we access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, yeah. knowing that tribulation produces perseverance yeah. and perseverance character and character hope. Well, a lot of people read these scriptures, but they speed read them, Daniel. Wow. And what people need to understand, you need to stop. Wow, that's good. Meditate. Don't speed read the scriptures. Meditate. And maybe you might meditate on one scripture for a day. So how do you glory in a tribulation? Wow. I'll give you one example. When I had my liver transplant, I had three cancerous tumours in my liver. And I was in uh, Edinburgh Hospital, Royal Infirmary. And I used to be a marathon runner. Okay. My ministry is called Walking Free because mm. I walked the length and breadth of Britain, Ireland mm. and across America. That's why it's called Walking Free. So when I had my liver transplant, I knew I couldn't run marathons anymore. And I used to love running. It was, I, I just loved it. And, but I knew I couldn't run marathons anymore. So I was in a tribulation and my, the gift of running was taken from me. I thought, how can I persevere through this? And I began to think, I didn't think of that particular scripture, but I did think of the one rejoice when all kinds of tests and trials yeah. come your way. How can I rejoice in the middle of this? You see, we've got to think things through. You're given a brain, we're going to be critical thinkers. How can I glory in this situation? So I began to think, and my wife Trish came in, and she, I was in hospital. I was split across here, cut down the middle, had a new liver inside. And um, 
I was a marathon runner. So my wife pulled the computer down for me and I looked on it and I found something called the Irish National Transplant Games. It's like the Olympics for transplant people, right? Okay, wow. Uh, which sounds funny, but that does exist. So I realized there's a champion on the inside of me. Mm. But it's my responsibility to discipline myself, not to feel sorry for myself that I've wow. got a transplant. But it's my responsibility to discipline myself to pull the champion out of me. Wow. So that got me out of my bed. I began to walk. Then I began to trot and I began to run. And I trained myself and I ran in the Irish National Transplant Games and I became the Irish champion in the 15, wow. the over 50 champion in the 1500, 800 and 400 meters. Wow. Now, I couldn't give two rips about the medals, mm. but it was my responsibility to bring something that would glorify God and help me get back on my feet. If I had felt sorry for myself, as a lot of people do, or oh, poor me, I've had a liver transplant when I used to be so fit, I can't run marathons anymore. But no, I thought it's my responsibility to pull the champion out of the inside of me. And that's what I did. Wow. That's the practical outworking of glorying in tribulation. Hallelujah. That's powerful. And I just pray this is really helping all those that are watching right now. Because there are many going through situations right now. I mean, I've spoken to a number of ministers that are under attack right now. And John, I actually saw a post that you put up on Facebook. I think it was about a couple of weeks ago. And you said something along the lines of you don't usually put posts up like this. But it was as if many were under attack by the enemy. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can honestly confirm that with what I've seen and heard that there se seems to be a lot of people are under attack right now. Yeah. And, you know, the devil is a liar. And we want to pray. We want to pray for people that are on today. We want to pray that God gets the glory, that perseverance is produced in you. If you're going through something, if you're going through an attack, if you're in the middle of a battle right now, we want to let you know it is not over. The Lord is doing a work on the inside of you. And we're going to pray today. You know, Evangelist John carries a unique anointing to not only see people delivered, but to see people renewed in their mind, to see people take Amen. responsibility and authority. Because yeah. one thing I love about your ministry, John, it's not just about taking authority over the devil, but it's about taking authority over yourself. Yeah, because the devil blame people blame the devil on too much mm. when it's actually their personal. They give him too much glory. They give him too much glory when it's it's our responsibility. Listen, uh, God's a God of order. Yeah, you know, and I often people come to me for prayer for all kinds of different things, and I ask them a question. I say, "Can I ask you a question?" Sometimes when people come in a prayer line, it's a talk they need, not a prayer. Mm, wow. so I'll say to them I'll say what's the order like in your life they'll say what do you mean i say well if I was to go home to your house how tidy is your house mm. how ordered is your administration your finances if I was to go and have a look in your car what kind of, what kind of state is it in the order wow. that's around our homes our cars and, uh, will reflect the order that's in our thinking wow. so if we're depressed or if we're feeling down it's because of a often it's because of a lack of discipline it's not the devil at all wow we're given it. So I tell people, go home, clean your house up, do your garden, paint that room you've been procrastinating with, overcome these things, and you'll find that it's this, this cloud, this weight that's upon you will lift off you. And I have dozens of testimonies of people who have gone and brought order on wow. purpose back into the world, and they've been set free. Wow. That's powerful. I think a lot of Christians do need that. 
you know, I've, I've they don't like hearing it. No, no, they don't, they don't like hearing it because people don't like to take responsibility, isn't it? Well, you look at rehabilitation programs. All there is is a building. Wow. It's got structure, it's got routine, routine. and it's got order in it. You get up word. at this time, you eat at this time, you do the dishes, wow. you clean up, you clean your room, you make your bed, you turn wow. the light off, you put the light, and so on. You do it, And in that environment, the presence of God works and sets people free. Wow. If you don't have order, before God put people on the earth, he created order in the world. He put the sun, the moon, the stars, fish, animals, grass, herbs, spring, summer, autumn, winter. When the order was finished, then God put human beings into it. Wow. Well, so we think that we can be happy in chaos. Mm. No, it's our responsibility to bring order back into our own world. Wow. Hallelujah. That's a powerful word because also, John, the other side of that coin is we aren't just little worms. We are children <laughs> of the Most High God. We are Amen. children of the Most High God. On, Therefore, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we right. have the minds of Christ. We are representatives of Christ. I think Christians at times, they think too little of themselves. And that scripture you read out in Matthew 6 about the birds of the air being yeah, fed yeah. and so forth. It says, and how much more valuable are you to me than the That's birds right. of the air? I think sometimes Christ, God is saying, you are valuable to me. And Christians are saying, I am a piece of rubbish. Yeah. But really, we are stronger than we think in Christ Jesus. That's we right. are more powerful than we think in Christ Jesus. We Amen. are more, you know, conquering than we think in Christ Jesus. And I just feel like this message being released today is so powerful because it's actually helping Christians take authority, It'll have responsibility. It'll change people's life. Listen. Jesus took 12 uneducated, uh, uneducated men. Uh, Acts 4.13, people looked at the disciples, they could see that they were unlearned and uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. Wow, yeah. So for people who have been with Jesus, they, Jesus turned them into world, they turned the world upside down. Hallelujah, yeah. Because they were walking with Jesus. And they were human beings like you or I. Amen. And they had to go through all the stuff to find out who they are in God. Wow. And these 12 people changed the world. John, you mentioned something earlier about when you cried out to God and you said you didn't cry out to God from here, yeah. but you cried out from here. Yeah. And I know exactly what you mean because mm. I've had something similar in my life. Yes. What would you say are ways to encourage people to cry out to God from there as opposed to here, like how do they reach that realm? How do they reach that level of beyond mental ascent, beyond just the realm of intellect and reasoning, and to really cry out from deeper within and see God break through? How do they do that? Well, 2 Chronicles 32 verse 31 says, um, the presence of God left Hezekiah to see what was in his heart. Um, wow. We need to see what's in our heart. But today we are so distracted by social media. Mm. We're so distracted by relationships. We're so distracted by busyness. We're so distracted by many things that we don't know what's in our heart. We don't give ourselves the space to be ourselves. Ooh. So you're only, you, you can only call out from the little bit of space you have between social media games, the little bit of space you have between... Um, you know, in your work, people don't even take a tea break in work these days, and they take a break for a couple. They don't talk to each other. They're they're scrolling through Facebook or whatever. So and people I'm, are having no time to themselves. No, they have no time to, and if they have no time really for yourself, you cannot get in touch with that part of you that can properly call out to God. 
So we need to change. Deep words. We need to take wow. responsibility for our lives. We need to look at them. We need to get rid of distractions. We need to cut out distractions and uh, turn off social media. We need to get back to fasting and praying. Mm. So the flesh is dying and the spirit is coming alive. You need to get in touch with the deep person within, the true John Edwards, the true whoever you are. Get in touch. And it takes time. You need to be alone with God. Get into the word of God. Shut everything and turn your telly off. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know how mm. to be quiet for a few minutes. Their attention span is very short because of yeah. TikTok and yeah, social yeah. media. It's true. So you need to get in and develop mm. a relationship with God that's deep. That we can get back in touch with our soul. Yeah. That we can, when we get back in touch, then we get in touch with the true cry for liberty and purpose that's deep within us. John, you know what? In these last couple of days, if I could be honest with you, that there are sometimes technology really frustrates me. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm doing something on my phone, whether it's an email, whether it's whatever. And it's just like, I just want the thing away from me. Yeah. It's like this little piece of metal called a mobile phone yeah. is robbing people yep. from quality time with God. And also, like you said, quality time with yourself. Yep. I mean, I've come across people, they can't even eat without being on the phone to someone. That's right. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, when someone's going through something, they just want to call someone straight away. Or if someone's got a great testimony, they just want to call someone straight away. I think yeah. it's so powerful to not need to contact someone, call someone, or message someone, yeah. just to be so secure yeah. on your own yeah. and in your own relationship with God. I mean, there are people that don't eat without their phone they don't some people yeah. are driving and scrolling on their yeah, phone yeah, yeah. some people are on the toilet and they're on their yeah. phone like some people literally have no time away from their phone and i kind of feel like it's making people robotic yes it is. how can they get in touch with who they are if they're distracted all the time like this they're only it's like veneer you ever see a nice kitchen it's got a nice veneer top on it mm. but you take off the veneer which is that thick and it's just rubbish wood underneath yeah 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 well that's what like our lives we're living veneer lives mm. we need to get we need to turn off our phones we need to turn off our computers we need to turn off these things and get to know who we are and as we get to know who we are we get to know who Christ is in us wow Hallelujah. That's a powerful word. So if you're watching this today and you want to find out who you are in Christ, you want to go deeper in finding out who you are as a person, which is so powerful. Sometimes go on walks on your own. Go on drives on your own. Go on prayer walks. You know, have moments where you want to find out who you are. Now, the interesting thing is, when I went to Bradford to see Evangelist John a few years back when we did the Smith Wigglesworth tour and so forth, it was one of those trips where I wanted to just be alone, John. I just wanted to just chill in front of God. I wanted to look at the scenery. I wanted to sit on a coach. Yeah. I wanted to reflect on life. I wanted to reflect on what God brought me from, where I am today. And, yeah. you know, just them deep things that you you find out about yourself. And I just feel like it's so important. You know, there's this scripture I'm going to read out right now. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. It says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, mm. for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your father who is in the secret place, yep. and your father who sees in secret will reward <coughs> you openly. 
So where it says shut your door there, I just want to encourage someone with this. You know, this this may be speaking about a physical door, but it may be speaking metaphorically as well. Shut that door. Yep. Like Evangelist John just said, <clears throat> shut that door yep. on your social media. Shut that door on Facebook. Shut that door on TikTok. Shut that door and really have moments of God where you can breathe, where you can reflect where you Absolutely. can just really ponder on how far God has brought you, what he has done in your life. And you're also creating room to give him space to move in your life and then through your life in days to come. So it's so important not to be robbed by media, to not be robbed by technology. Find out who you are. Find out who you are in <clears throat> Christ and you will grow. You will go to another level in God. And you know, people need to know that you can trust God. Yeah. A lot of people these days, younger people in particular, they've been brought up with social media and the internet. I wasn't. Wow. I, I knew what it was like to have time. I knew what it was like to climb trees and go down and swim in the beach and with no social media. A lot of people today, they've never really had time on their own to explore, um, explore the world. And um, God is faithful. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. People need to, these days, take a step of faith. I never thought I'd actually say this. You need to actually take a step of faith these days and switch off your social media. Wow. Did you ever, sometimes, I mean, guilty of this, I sometimes leave my house and I forget my phone. And it's like you've left an arm behind you. We become so reliant upon them. And one of the things that needs to be broken in these end times is our reliance on gadgets like phones and that. And we need to get back to seeking the face of God because it's seeking mm. the face of God that will really set us free. Many of us are only calling out to God from our heads because we've never got the 18-inch drop to our hearts and the true cry that comes from our hearts is the prayer that gets answered. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and you abide in my love, whatever you ask, it will be done for you. But a lot of people, uh, they're, they're praying from a place of abiding in their intellect. They're praying from a place of abiding in the busyness of their lives and heads. And they never take time out to the degree they're actually abiding in the depths of Christ within them. And that's the place where true prayer and true reflection comes from. And if you can find that place in you, and you can only find it by switching off the TV, switching off the social media for a while. Listen, don't feel guilty for using it, but you need to bring order into it. Maybe do half an hour twice a day maybe in the morning after your time with God and maybe in the evening but uh, you need to bring order into it and get back into having a deep deep personal relationship with Jesus hallelujah praise God I've just seen so many people <coughs> commenting right now people agreeing and you know Gillian saying thank you for sharing so much wisdom Carol Morris is saying yes me too We've got our sister Jenny Weaver on all the way from the US. Bless you, Jenny. We're so looking forward to having you in the UK with us. It's going to be a powerful time. Blessings to you. Lisa is saying, yeah, deep down underneath the skin of a child of God, an overcomer, a saved Amen. soul. Absolutely. Praise be to God. Wow. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to read some more of these comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, not had a TV since Pop Idol first began. It's a long time ago. <laughs> wow. As she opened the bedroom window and threw it out from the second floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. John, you know what? I've actually had to make it a habit 
that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I engage with is not a piece of technology. Yeah. You know, I've just had to make it a habit. And you have to do it on purpose. You have to be intentional. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. So for me, it's like, yeah, you've got to wake up in prayer. You got, you know, the last thing you do before you close your eyes and go to bed, you got to pray, be before the Lord. Yes. You know, have a time of fellowship. It's so important. And if Jesus is Lord, his Lordship should reign supreme. If he's number one in your life, he should really be the first person that you talk to, engage with, and the last person you talk to, you know, before you sleep. And you know, how about this? You know, the Bible said we should have no foreign god or idol before us. Wow. You know, and I think anything that comes before Jesus. You see, the thing about social media, you put it on first thing in the morning and it instantly releases serotonin and dopamine. Wow. So you end up living according to the reward system in the brain, the limbic system. You know, so I mean, that's, that's habit for me. Wow. So we live according to the serotonin rush instead of the joy of the Lord being our strength. Yeah, yeah. So you have to literally turn off the rush of the limbic system, the reward system, and you've got to purposely focus on because you have to make a decision with your brain, say, I'm going to put God first. And it means maybe some people then might need to put their phones outside their bedroom at night. Yeah. So that they're disciplined themselves to do it. And listen, we're not religious about it either. No, no, no. You know, I, I as much as anybody else, like scrolling through different things. And I like when you get likes and fun. We all like those things. But it's having just proper order in it. We don't want to sound, we don't want to sound religious with it. But it's just bringing order into your world. And bringing joy back into your life. And, you know, having connection with that deep personal relationship with God. There's no greater thing on the face of this planet. Absolutely. We've got Camilla from Norway saying, deep teaching from real life. Amen. Sunita saying, so powerful. Amen. Matthew saying, profound wisdom shared today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tim Adeligan, Timothy from Pragma Church, is saying, amazing word of the Lord. We've got Janet Joshua saying, intimacy with the Lord. Amen. 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 We've got evangelist Nathan Wilde saying, so good. It's great. We often find that many feel alone and yet don't know they're alone and use the distractions to medicate the root of the loneliness. Yep. yep. Powerful word. Powerful word. Let's please pray. Uh, Ross and Brendan both caught up with heavy drugs. Jesus delivered them. Rehab needed. Amen, Father. We pray the blessing of God upon them. Bring them to their knees, but protect their life while you're doing it, Lord God, and cause them to repent and go to rehab in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Evangelist John, I was just going to ask you, if, if you... You know, as the spirit leads you, if you could just pray, you know, and if you're watching this right now and what some of what Evangelist John has shared today really resonates and you need an area of breakthrough in your life, just comment your prayer request below, type in, engage. And I'm going to ask Evangelist John to just pray right now. For those watching right now, we've had a few prayer requests come in, people that are sick, people that need <coughs> healing, people yeah. that need freedom and so forth. So do comment below, engage, let us know your prayer request, let us know what you believe in God for. And let's believe God for a miracle tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Father, we're just calling you tonight here, Lord God. In reality, in spirit and in truth, we worship you, we call upon your name. Lord, it is written that if we ask anything in your name and we're abiding in your love and in your word, it shall be done. It is written that if we declare a thing, it will be established and God will shine a light in our path. So, Father, we lift up everybody who's watching, both now live and later on who's watching the recording. I pray, Father God, for a visitation mm. of God Almighty in all your different characters. Jehovah Rapha, God our healer, I pray you come. Jehovah Olam, 
Uh, God of all seasons, I pray you'd come. God, our Savior, God, our healer, I pray you'd come in every manifestation. We command every sickness to come off every individual watching now and later in Jesus' Amen. mighty name. I command the power of addiction and the demonic force behind addiction to be smashed, broken totally in the mighty name of Jesus. And the freedom and liberty will come on that visitations, dreams and visions will come upon people. That Father, people will be even caught up into heaven. That they'd hear your voice speaking to them. That rehabilitation centers would open up for the addicts. And they'd be set free. I command depression to lift off of Amen. people in Jesus' name. Yes, Low self-esteem, lack of confidence. You break through, Father God. Where counselling hasn't been working, Lord God, I pray for a mighty visitation of the power of God to set the captives free of all kinds of ailments, all kinds of negative self-talk, Lord God. I pray, Father God, you change people's self-talk. It's the most important conversation we have any day is our self-talk. May it be changed to be thinking about whatever is true, whatever is noble, if everything is right, pure, and lovely, Lord God, let people meditate upon these things. Change their thinking. I pray you'd help people today to offer themselves as living sacrifices unto you, Lord God. And they would stop taking, stop conforming to the pattern of this world. And God, I ask you to change them from within to a complete change of mind. Lord, you said it's written that all things shall work together for good. For if they're called according to your purpose. Lord, let it happen now, God. Let the good come, Father God. We call it down. We call out for some people here who need, who need somewhere to live, Lord God. Father God, some people need a roof over their own head. They need a breakthrough with mortgages, Lord God. They need a breakthrough in different things. We call on you, Lord God. May it happen, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, your word says that all the promises are yes and amen in Christ, Lord God. We call out, Father God, for sickness, God, for mental health issues, Lord God for skin issues, for bone issues, for cancer. We command these things to be healed. Lord, you said that if we pray in your name, you will answer and these things will happen. Now, Father, we pray, let it happen, Lord God. Lord, Lord, put a smile back in people's hearts once again, Father. May the stress and the strain that comes from life and give people the strength and the courage to put down social media to a manageable level, Lord God, that they bring order back into their world, Lord God. Cause people to say to themselves that they're happy. That people who are watching will pinch themselves over this next few days and realize that they're whistling while they're walking in the road or humming a tune, a worship song walking in the road because something has shifted in them. Lord, let heaven visit. Let your kingdom come. Let the dominion of the king come on people's lives, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Evangelist John, it's been so lovely having you on tonight. Yep. You know, it's been great to have you with us. Great. Revival- Revivalist Daniel, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, glory be to God. Uh, by the way, just out of curiosity, John, before yeah. we wrap up, obviously you're from Yorkshire. Obviously you've I'm done... from Ireland. Yeah, you're from Ireland, obviously. <laughs> People have been kneecapped for yeah, this. Yeah, from Ireland. <laughs> but by, by way of Yorkshire. But yeah. like... You know, when we look at the life of Smith Wigglesworth, yeah. and obviously we've done the Wigglesworth tour together, yeah. you know, we've preached in his building together, yes. his church and so forth. What would you say are the key principles or, I guess, things that you have learned from his life that really inspire your work, walk personally? If there's one or two things, like, what really inspire you personally or if there's a particular testimony or anything like that? Well... 
written on his gravestone. We wrote his gravestone, remember, mm. is uh, only believe. But we, we weren't rolling around on the grave. No, we weren't. No, we just stood there looking <laughs> no, at no, it. No, no, just to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, we stood there just looking at it. And uh, it written on his gravestone is only believe. And uh, oh. when I was with, um, uh, something that needs to be said as well, when I was with Arthur Burt, who lived with Smith Wigglesworth, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was with an old guy called Roy Harden, who used to play the keyboard, for, he's gone to be with the Lord now as well. And he knew Smith Wigglesworth personally. So I've met people who knew him personally. Wow. And some of them say that if he knew the way, if Smith Wigglesworth knew the way people talk of him now, he would probably turn in his grave. Wow. Because some of the exaggerations wow. and stuff like that about things that he did. But he was a great man of faith. And, but he put his faith into practice. Mm. And again, he got rid of all distractions in his life. There's that great story of Lester Summerall coming to his house and he had the newspaper under yeah, his arm. Yeah. He says, you ain't coming in here with that newspaper. Wow, look at that. Because I will not, he did not allow the declaration of the rubbish, the so mainstream media into his home. He read the Bible. He didn't read any of the books except the Bible. So that speaks to me about getting rid of distractions. I think it's a, that's a huge thing that people So look at do. that. So for those that don't know, Lester Sumrall came to Smith Wigglesworth home and he had a newspaper in his hand and Smith Wigglesworth was like, don't bring that thing in here. It's like what we've been talking about modern day. Like yeah. cut out the secular news. Cut out the time wasting on social media. Yeah. Cut out all of that nonsense and you will grow in God and you'll grow in faith. And stop listening to mainstream media. Stop wow. listening to the news. I've got rid of my, I got rid of my TV license. So we don't have BBC or RT. We don't, we don't have these things in our house. That's a good Because word. it was a distraction. Now I like to watch a movie, so I do have Amazon Prime. And mm. I'll, we'll discipline ourselves to watch a movie now and again. Yeah, yeah. If absolutely. we can make our mind up which movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I only watch a movie that's 12 or under. We don't watch, any, we don't watch anything that we shouldn't be looking at. Wow. So we're keeping those distractions out. But Smith Wigglesworth is a man of great faith. Amen. And he said, only believe. So you need to, we need to learn once again how to find the promises of God, search the scriptures. When I'm going through something, like when I had my liver transplant, I had cancer, I found that scripture, I think it's Psalm 118, verse 17, or it might be verse 11. It says, I shall not die, but I will live, and I will Amen. declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I declared that scripture over my life what, about an hour before I went down for my liver transplant, and that was 17 years ago. So we live on the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. That's what Wigglesworth did. Find the Scripture. Declare the Scripture over your life until you get the 18-inch drop from your head to your heart. Then wow. the Word will become Rima. It will become the living Word for you. And that's the Word you stand on. And you will 100% see miracles happen in your personal life. But you need to take the time out to search the Scriptures. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, and it's to find that Word to declare it over your life. And God, who is watching over it, will make sure that word of God happens in your life. And if it's not happening in your life, maybe you're not taking the time out. Listen, we're not here to bring any guilt or condemnation, any shame about anybody. We're just lovingly and compassionately just encouraging you to apply the word of God to your life in, 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 in a more real, ordered way that you'll find that smile on your inside, that you'll that by the time you come on next week, you'll be able to testify and say, oh Amen. my God, since I listened to you last week, this has happened in my life and I've got Hallelujah. so many testimonies. That's what will happen to you. Wow. I mean, sometimes thing, people are looking for the spectacular and miss God in the simplicity. Yep. Like the key principles that have been released today 
can actually unlock people to receive that bigger manifestation. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to put simple things in place, yeah. simple routine in place, even concerning the word and faith. And you'll see that manifestation. But people want the manifestation first yeah. and they want to try and bring routine after. Some don't even do that well, after. I can testify to that. I don't, know, I don't know if I've told you this before, but before I went to Teen Challenge Rehabilitation, uh, I went to Bible school. And I wait and I messed around doing different things, trying to get set free because I didn't want to make the decision to go to rehab. So I wasted three and a half years until I made the practical decision, go to rehab. I thought I'd do it in Bible. I thought I'd do it my own way. So sometimes we've got to make decisions. You've got to grin and you got to push it. Did you ever dive into a swimming pool at the shallow end? Mm. And you hold your breath till you get down the deep end. Mm. I used to do that when I was a kid. I still do it sometimes. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so it's like you got to put your head down and go for it. And I delayed three and a half years before I went to rehab. But when I made the decision to go there, I got delivered. Wow. So I would go to these evangelists. I'd be first in line for prayer. Set me free. Do this. Do that. I was waiting for the McDonald's miracle to happen when God was waiting for me to make a decision. And it was wow. the decision to go to rehab that changed my life. Look at that. Look at that. You know, there's people watching right now that I know are praying for deliverance. They're praying for various breakthrough and healing. And I just feel like there are some people, they just need to make, make certain steps. Yeah, make yeah. a decision. Make a decision. Hallelujah. That's a word for someone today. Listen, I sense that by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a word for someone Amen. today. You're looking for a I manifestation of healing, deliverance. Make a decision. And I believe you're going to be one step closer to that healing manifesting in your life and through your life hallelujah well we've been on for almost two hours tonight already glory to god so this is what i want to say before we close and you know i want to say a prayer as well for a few people today we do want to give you an opportunity to support the ministry if you feel on your heart to give tonight we want to give you an opportunity to do that obviously there's various things going on in the ministry we've got Outreach is happening pretty much every other week. We've got the Trafalgar Square Evangelism, which John is also going to be coming to, which is on... Yeah, that's going to be great. And what people don't know is you were actually homeless on the streets of around Trafalgar Square. That's right, yeah. I I was homeless actually on Trafalgar Square. You know the gaps in the wall where the chip with the the seats are. I used to sleep on them, and I used to get food in St Martin in the Fields Church, which is on the facing facing the take, facing the, the National Gallery on your right hand. I used to get food in there every day. Poor wow. pies used to get cold wow. poor pies. Wow, wow, wow! <laughs> and greasy <laughs> cold poor pies. <laughs> And how beautiful that, you know, in a couple of months, what a story of redemption that where you were homeless, we're going to be holding a gospel crusade there and God's going to be glorified through your testimony. So Trafalgar Square is going to be great, June the 3rd. Then we've also got the tent revival taking place on August the 5th. Again, we've got evangelist John Edwards joining us. We've got evangelist Ben Fitzgerald, Mike Signorelli, Jenny Weaver, David Hathaway, James Aladdin, and so many other guests that God is using around the country and around the globe right now. So we really encourage you to get on board for the tent revival this summer. It is going to be great. And we also have a trip to Israel coming up as well. That's taking place in February. So there's so much going on right now. We just encourage you to get on board. And for those that can't come along, pray for us. For those that are praying for us, we appreciate you. We thank you. And for those that do wish to stand with us and give and support today, 
what you will be giving will be going straight into the ministry, straight into soul winning and helping us reach more people. So those that do wish to give today, you can head to walkinglikejesus.org slash giving. And there's various different ways for you to give. You can gift aid that as well. And that would help the gift go that little bit further. We would greatly appreciate that. So I need to get a couple of these younger... Yeah, David, yeah, you yeah. need to move to Northern Ireland with me. Yeah, I mean, you should that, move that's, to Northern that, Ireland. That's, well. that's a word for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> His wife. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Hallelujah. Well, listen, we're getting reports of people that are being so impacted by the word tonight. And what I'm finding about tonight's word, it's actually very prophetic. You know, just because we're not saying, thus says the Lord, and yea, and nay, and thou, and art, doesn't mean it's not prophetic. You know, as a matter of fact, this can be more prophetic than some of those words that are, you know, in Christianese. That's right. So I just want to say, catch what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this evening and apply it personally to your own life, to your own destiny and to your own journey with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, listen, you know, I know there's people watching. I, I agree with Daniel there. This It is prophetic tonight. And uh, we just I really, really pray God will bless you all. And that by the mm-hmm. time you come on next week and come on next week again, I really believe that for some people watching here tonight, you put into practice what you heard tonight. Yeah. And this is a word for somebody. Amen. Stop procrastinating. Mm. Do that thing which you need to do. Jeez. Stop procrastinating. That spiritual warfare, take captive those thoughts. Make them obedient to what the Word of God says. And you will be liberated by the time you come on here next week. Hallelujah. Well, glory be to God. I just want to say a special thank you to everyone that has commented, everyone that's engaged with Amen. us tonight. We want to say a special thank you to Evangelist John Edwards. for Thank you. Yeah, It's been a privilege. Glory be to God. Thanks, you know, everybody. Great man of God popping in just to bless us and bless the broadcast in this way. You know, what an honor. And I also want to say a thank you to everyone that has gave today, all those that have supported the ministry today. We love you, and we just pray in the name of Jesus that as you give, your physical seed will turn into spiritual substance and help build the kingdom of God in these last days that we are living in. And we declare there will be no lack over your life as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Evangelist John, is there anything else you want to add or say or release or... No, just that we're living in the end times Mm. and uh, we need to not just get too comfortable, keep reminding ourselves that Jesus is looking and he's wanting people to really use as much as as they can be in this day and age. So God's got a purpose and a plan for you. Amen. It's time to step into it. Amen. John, it'll be amazing to have you at Pragma Church soon as well. We must arrange that. Yeah, absolutely. We must arrange that. Yeah. Just give me some dates. Church, love it when you're done. Trish, yeah, we give our love to Trish as well. Glory be to God. Well, everyone tuned in tonight. We love you loads. Be blessed. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Obviously, we've got Church Sunday. We've got various events coming up. Some that Evangelist John will be joining us on as well. So we look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. God bless you all. Sleep well. Have a great day. Amen. Hallelujah.